Chapter Thirty Two of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter Thirty Two Narrating How Lieutenant Puddock and Captain Devereux brewed a bowl of punch and how they sang and discoursed together if people would only be content with that which is let well alone and allow today to resemble yesterday and tomorrow today the human race would be much fatter at no greater cost and sleep remarkably well but so it is that the soul of man can no more rest here than the sea or the wind we are always plotting against our own repose and as no man can stir in a crowd without disturbing others it happens that even the quietest fellows are forced to fight for their status quo and sometimes though they would not move a finger or sacrifice a button for the chance of getting on are sulkily compelled to cut capers like the rest nature will have it so and has no end of resources and will not suffer even the sluggish to sit still but if nothing else will do pins a cracker to their skirts in the shape of a tender passion or some other whim and so sets them bouncing in their own obese and clumsy way to the trouble of others as well as their own discomfort it is a hard thing but so it is the comfort of absolute stagnation is nowhere permitted us and such so multifarious and intricate our own mutual dependencies that it is next to impossible to marry a wife or to take a house for the summer at brighton or to accomplish any other entirely simple good-humoured and selfish act without affecting not only the comforts but the reciprocal relations of dozens of other respectable persons who appear to have nothing on earth to say to us or our concerns in this respect indeed society resembles a pyramid of potatoes in which you cannot stir one without setting others in unexpected places also in motion thus it was upon very slight motives the relations of people in the little world of chapel is it began to shift and change considerably and very few persons made a decided move of any sort without affecting or upsetting one or more of his neighbours among other persons unexpectedly disturbed just now was our friend captain Devereux. the letter reached him at night little puddick walked to his lodgings with him from the club where he had just given a splendid recitation from shakespeare and was as usual after some efforts in a high state of excitement and lectured his companion for whom by the by he cherished a boyish admiration heightened very considerably by his not quite understanding him upon the extraordinary dramatic capabilities and versatilities of shakespeare's plays which he said were not half comprehended it was only on tuesday the night you know i fired the pistol at the robbers near the dog-house 
through the coach window returning all alone from smock alley theatre i was thinking upon my honour if i had your parts my dear devereux and could write as i know you can i'd make a variation upon every play of shakespeare that should be strictly moulded upon it and yet in no respect recognisable i like those irish airs that will produce tears or laughter as they are played slow or quick or minced veal my dear puddick which the cook can dress either savoury or sweet at pleasure or aunt rebecca that produces such different emotions in her different moods and according to our different ways of handling her is scarce recognisable in some of them though still the same aunt becky answered devereux knocking at iron's door no but seriously by sometimes changing an old person to a young sometimes a comical to a melancholy or the reverse sometimes a male for a female or a female for a male i assure you you can so entirely disguise the piece and yet produce situations so new and surprising i see by all the gods at once tis an immortal idea let's take othello i'll set about it to-morrow to-night by jove a gay young venetian nobleman of singular beauty charmed by her tales of anthropophagites and men whose heads do grow beneath their shoulders is seduced from his father's house and married by a middle-aged somewhat hard-featured black woman juno or dido who takes him away not to cyprus we must be original but we'll suppose to the island of stromboli and you can have an eruption firing away during the last act there dido grows jealous of our hero though he's as innocent as joseph and while his valet is putting him to bed he'll talk to him and prattle some plaintive little tale how his father had a man called barbarous and then all being prepared and his bedroom candle put out dido enters looking unusually grim and smothers him with a pillow in spite of his cries and affecting entreaties and by jupiter here's a letter from bath too he had lighted the candles and the letter with its great red eye of a seal lying upon the table transfixed his wandering glance and smote somehow to his heart with an indefinite suspense and misgiving with your permission my dear puddick said devereux before breaking the seal for in those days they grew ceremonious the moment a point of etiquette turned up puddick gave him leave and he read the letter from my aunt he said throwing it down with a discontented air and then he read it once more thought for a while and put it into his pocket the countess says i must go puddock she has got my leave from the general and hang it there's no help for it i can't vex her you know indeed puddock i would not vex her poor old aunt she has been mighty kind to me no one knows how kind so i leave to-morrow not to stay away exclaimed puddock much concerned i don't know dear puddock i know no more than the man in the moon what her plans are 
Lewis, you know, is ordered by the doctors to Malaga, and Loftus, honest dog, I managed that trifle for him, goes with him, and the poor old lady, I suppose, is in the vapours and wants me, and that's all. And Puddock, we must drink a bowl of punch together, you and I, or something, anything, what you please. And so they sat some time longer and grew very merry and friendly and a little bit pathetic in their several ways and puddock divulged his secret but noble flame for gertrude chatsworth and devereux sang a song or two defying fortune in his sweet sad tenor and the nymph who skipped up and down stairs with the kettle grew sleepy at last and mrs irons rebelled in her bed and refused peremptorily to get up again to furnish the musical toppers with rum and lemons and puddock having studied his watch i'm bound to say with a slight hiccup and supernatural solemnity for about five minutes satisfied himself it was nearly one o'clock and took an affecting though soldier-like leave of his comrade who however lent him his arm down the stairs which were rather steep and having with difficulty dissuaded him from walking into the clock the door of which was ajar thought it his duty to see the gallant little lieutenant home to his lodgings and so in the morning good little puddock's head ached he had gone to bed with his waistcoat and leggings on and his watch was missing and despaired of till discovered together with a lemon in the pocket of his surtout hanging against the wall and a variety of other strange arrangements came to light with not one of which could puddock connect himself indeed he was disgusted at his condition and if upon the occasion just described he had allowed himself to be somewhat intoxicated with liquor i must aver that i do not recollect another instance in which this worthy little gentleman suffered himself to be similarly overtaken now and then a little flashy he might be but nothing more serious and rely upon it this was no common virtue in those days end of chapter thirty two recording by john brandon